Welcome to another episode of Wim Radio. This is our special draft spectacular. Um, by the time you listen to this, it should be Thursday, which means the draft will only be one day away. Um, so we are going to be talking all things draft as related to the Red Wings. We might even talk about some other teams, but probably not. Uh, so joining me tonight, we have a killer lineup. So first off, we have Sarah. What's up, Sarah? Hey, how's it going? It is good. It is great. Um, we have, uh, as as usual, we got JJ. What's up? Hey, it uh, ain't really windy in here, but this is definitely a little drafty, right? Oh, boy. There's the JJ I know. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since we did one of these. Um, and joining us uh, for, for this episode, uh, if you listen to the draft episode of For Sure, you got to hear him there. But uh, today, like we said, we're going to focus on the Red Wings, so we're going to have a lot of good stuff. We have uh, Winging in Motown's own prospect expert, Dr. Dangles. What's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... Um, like I said before, if you listen to uh, the the For Sure episode, uh, we talked a lot about uh, the draft overall. Um, but for this, we are going to specifically be talking about our favorite team of Detroit. Uh, so first of all, just in case if you are listening to this and you haven't been following, uh, you know, following the draft news uh, like most of our uh, frequent commenters are doing, um, basically here's the situation. So Detroit... <coughs> Detroit is going to draft sixth overall in the first round. Um, and then after that, in the second round, we have three picks. We got uh, 35, 54, and 60. And then following that up in the third round, we have 66. So in addition to um, the sixth overall pick, which is obviously going to be a really important one, we do have um, some very interesting opportunities with four picks in you know just about a 30-pick range in, in round two and three. Um, and then in round four, we're drafting 97th. Round five is 128 and 143rd. And then six and seven, we have uh, you know our, our standard pick. Uh, we have 159 and 190. Um, so... Let's just jump right into it. Let's uh, let's start talking about the number six overall pick. Um, so, Sarah, I'm going to throw it to you first, um, as long as that's all right, because uh, I know you know we were talking before, and basically all of us are going to have a different you know our own level of kind of preparation in terms of reading up on prospects, watching video, etc. Um, and so you know we were talking, and you know life happens, you know, you haven't been able to follow as much as you, you know, might usually do. Um, but what are your thoughts on number six? Uh, you know, either, either just in general, or if you're thinking of maybe a couple players that the Red Wings might be looking at. Sure. I can give the, uh, the view from under the rock or the few <laughs> who have not uh, followed super close are, are hanging out and lurking. <laughs> so I think first of all that, you know, we should keep, the number six pick. And that could just be because I'm ignorant of what the trade scenarios for that could be. Um, but I'm also like, we had to fight not to drop farther. So let's hold on to <laughs> that six with that damn win streak. Why did we have to do that? <laughs> so some of the name, you know, I've been hearing a lot um, about, I guess the kind of controversial argument player, which was uh, Kirby doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he's, you know, a, a large child. 
Um, but it, it sounded like he might be someone we would kind of stick on the second line. And the reason I would support that is because of my longstanding opinion that Athanasio belongs at the wing and not the center. So if we could draft a large, fast child to stick in, in the center and let AA go back to the wing, I'm all in. So uh, I'll take that kind of maybe slightly controversial pick as, a, as our number six. Cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as uh, you know, I, I think we'll probably be, be following up on that a little bit later. Um, you know, he is definitely a a player that I've seen in mock drafts go as high as like four or five. And some people have him almost out of the out of the top ten. Uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, division there. Um, all right, JJ, I'm going to jump to you next. Uh, so what are your thoughts about uh, the number six pick? Um, you know, from the, the first episode where you, you guys laid it out pretty well, where we know that we're dealing with, there's the, the top tier is two guys. And then the next tier is, uh, I, I think you guys say generally ran like three to 10 or three to 15. Even I, I, I don't know. I'll tell you, honestly, I suck at paying attention to drafts. I've been burned so far. I am the embodiment of the human condition in terms of uh being horrible at probability and understanding it like i know for a fact that if you tell me something is five percent likely to happen okay great it's not going to happen uh but still there is that that human brain dumminess in me that is like no it's going to happen uh it's possible (laughs) therefore it must be probable (laughs) and so when you read up on on all these prospects obviously everybody you have to talk about why any team would draft them. So you do have to to talk about like why these guys are so good. And that's all my dumb brain keys in on. Like there's, you can tell me all day long that, you know, this guy needs to work on a skating or this guy isn't the, the best passer. Or this guy's hockey IQ is, is 90 where it needs to be a hundred. And I'm like, no, this guy's going to be great. So no matter who we draft, <laughs> it, that's, that's the benefit. No matter who we draft, I'm going to love him and he's going to be great. Uh, and next, but I still factor in with the do the best uh, the best player available. I would really like it if the best defenseman dropped to us. Just personal preference. Uh, if not, I have this. I, I have always been known as the guy who would field um, you know three centers on every single line. So, um, <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. There's uh, there's some wingers out there that that have been cha- like I think Anthony Mantha is starting to really change my mind. I'm like, no, I really want a stud winger too. So I, I don't know. Like I, I'm going to love whatever, whatever they do. I wouldn't mind to trade back, honestly, um, if, if the price is right. And of course you, you can never tell what exactly that means, but um, I think that where we're at in the rebuild, there's a lot of a different ways to go. And I want whatever, yeah, you know, just the moon i want whatever is going to uh, get us the best value now and keep us the best value later so that's where i am cool yeah so <coughs> all right so uh dr d before i get to you um because like i said i'm kind of going in uh in order of um you know the, the ability to 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 pay attention uh you know on a more specific level and like i said you know i've been i've been trying really hard the last couple of weeks to bone up on this stuff um but you know far more than i do you've watched a lot more than i do um so i'm just going to chime in with my my idea uh before we get to you um so basically i'm just going to go with the assumption that uh the uh you know that that Bowen Byram and Alex Turcott are off the board 
Um, <laughs> Dr. D's given, given the big thumbs down. Um, cause you know, like JJ said, I mean, I think, uh, as hard as it is to say, because like, I do really want to draft a defenseman. Like if, if Alex Turcotte is somehow available at six, like I want to see Steve Eiserman sprinting up there, you know, like tripping over people to get to the podium to draft him. Uh, you know, so basically like I would, I would go Turcotte and Byram, uh, in that order. If somehow they, they fall to us, which is possible. But like JJ said, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem to be very probable. Um, and then, basically, at that point, for me, I have a decision of Trevor Zegras and the person I have, as I mentioned on the For Sure podcast, I have donned the armor and the shield and the sword to go to battle for Cole Caulfield, um, because the guy just scores. Um, and, and as we talk, I'm going to reference uh, something. Uh, Prashanth uh, Ayer from, from Wing and Motown <coughs> has been working on... Uh, a, a, a model that is uh, basically projecting NHL career scoring for draft eligible prospects. Um, if you look on Twitter, you can see, uh, you know, he's put a lot of this up there. Um, but basically right behind Jack Hughes in his model is Cole Caulfield. Um, he has him projected at uh, 0.63 NHL points per game. Um, Hughes is like 0.86. Uh, and then after that, it goes Alex Turcotte and a name that I will save for a little bit later that I think Dr. D might be talking about as well um, in, in like, you know, the second second round conversation. Um, so for me, I'm going probably I'm going Zegris first, although I'm I'm re- I really like Cole Caulfield. Um, and I think whichever team takes him is going to be very happy. Uh, so, Dr. D, what do you think? What, what do you think about this uh, this pick here? Honestly, I am a very complex man, and I suffer <laughs> from a lot of cognitive dissonance. As much as I would absolutely love a playmaking center, the thought of Cole Caulfield landing in <laughs> Buffalo's filthy hands actually kind of makes me angry. <laughs> so... <sighs> I'm 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 happy with either one. Either one I would be over the moon with. But 72 goals in a single season it's it's kind of hard to look away from that. Absolutely. Um so so here let's tie this together cuz I know um in the for sure podcast which you know I know probably there's some there's a lot of crossover between listeners of both podcasts but you know I'm sure there's there's a lot of people that listen to Wim Radio and maybe not necessarily for sure um so we talked about Dak uh with with you I I think we talked about you know you talked about him for a while um so what do you what do you think about him at this sixth spot like first of all do you think do you think he's going to be there or do you think he goes earlier uh and second if Detroit does take him do you think um you know, do you think that's going to be a missed opportunity with players like Zegers and Caulfield there? Or, you know, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Like, like what do you think about that? So my opinion of this is, like, I, I'll be the, actually the first to admit right now, I've been over the last couple of days mentally preparing myself for if they take Kirby Doc. And I think I've actually kind of come to peace with it. He's got a lot of great things going for him. He's got all the skill in the world and just this gigantic frame. Uh, really does help him drive the play along the boards and protect the puck. He's got fantastic vision. I think he's underrated as a goal scorer. I think he's really found his touch this year. And outside of that uh, serious cold streak that he was on, he was 
one of the best players in the draft. There were periods that when he was on that uh, really, really big hot streak at the start of the season that I was thinking maybe he could be the third best player in this entire draft. But as it happened, he kind of cooled off, and as a result, I kind of cooled on him. But if Doc were to hit his absolute ceiling and he were to find that level of his game that he was at during the first part of the season, he could have amongst the best upside among any players in the draft. So I'm fine taking Kirby Doc at six. I think he's a great player. I still have some concerns about the uh, pace and tempo that he wants to play at because he doesn't seem to always be willing to try to dictate the the uh, tempo of the game at a higher speed. Always just trying to slow it down. But a lot of these issues, I still think, you know, the good far outweighs the bad with him. So I'd be happy with it. You know, that's <laughs> that's uh, he has top line center potential. And, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be his biggest fan. Absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the things that I've been kind of thinking about. Like, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording, um, you know, about if, if, if Byram's not there, <coughs> as much as Detroit needs a defenseman, there's there's probably not somebody there that's going to be worth jumping ahead of some of these forwards. Um, you know, you know, sometimes you can kind of make a case for that, but it doesn't really seem like that's the case here. Um so I, I think it's going to be really interesting because obviously uh, a center is amazing. I know JJ had mentioned this before, um, you know, his, his dream of an all center team. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, there is something, you know, I, I was thinking about, you know, Detroit's top line last year with Larkin, Mantha and Bertuzzi down the stretch. You know, they were they were dominating when they were together for a long time. Uh, we're not, you know, when they were together, they were dominating um, down the stretch. But then I was thinking of, like, a second line of, like, Valeno, Caulfield, and Zadina. And I was just like, oh, oh my God, that could be amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I wanted to mention, I forgot to say this before. Um, we did do a poll uh, on the website. And, you, you, you know, JJ and, uh, JJ and I uh, we were talking about this before. Um you know, because the poll is, you know, who should the Wings take with the sixth overall pick? And we were kind of debating, you know, do we put Byram or, and Turcotte on there because that could kind of skew things. Um, but at the same time, you know, they one one or both could drop, uh, like we said, unlikely but possible. Um, so taking a quick look at this poll, uh, Bowen Byram was the runaway winner with 53%. Uh, but then uh, second was Trevor Zegris. Right. And like I said, you have to, you know, keep in mind that a lot of people probably didn't vote for, you know, Byram or Turcotte because they were like, well, I think they're going to be gone. Uh, so basically Byram first, then Zegris. Turcotte was third. Um, then we had da, 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 uh, Pakolzin, uh, who, who we didn't really talk about. Um, so so real quick, before we move on to uh, to some of the later rounds, uh, Dr. D, what are your thoughts on Pakolzin? Because he, again, just like Doc, he is kind of a very divisive player uh you know i've seen him as high as you know the mid mid top 10 you know like fifth sixth uh some of the earlier mock drafts had detroit taking him at six and now most of the mock drafts i look at you see him in like the teens um so for listeners that don't that haven't really been paying attention um why are you know what's the reason why pakolson could go high but then how he also could go as far as like 10 picks later Okay, well, one of the biggest reasons I think why Pod Colson would go really high is for people who place a lot of weight on uh, international tournaments, 
Like he was fantastic at the Holinka Gretzky tournament last uh, last summer. But as a counter argument to that, he was also uh, he didn't have a very good showing at the U18s. So it could just be uh, like a primacy effect. They they paid more attention near the start of the season. They didn't really change their minds uh, as the season went on. Now, one of the reasons why he might end up as a later pick is because he's had a lot of trouble trying to translate a lot of his skill into actual productivity. Now, that's not entirely his fault, of course. He was bounced around a lot of different leagues. I don't think he played more than 15 games in a single season with any single team after being bounced around the VHL, the MHL, and uh, to a lesser extent, the KHL. Now, in terms of what I like about Pod Colson is he has a fantastic work ethic. The pressure that he puts on any player when he doesn't have the puck to get the puck back is truly remarkable. He has just this incredible drive to his game and just this incredible hunger that he always plays with night in, night out, shift by shift. And he never takes a shift off. And that's... Uh, that is something that I think a lot of scouts find really appealing to his game. Now, one of the things that I'm not as high on with Pod Colson is he does have a lot of issues when it seems to finding uh, ways of distributing the puck around in the offensive zone to other players in scoring areas. He's very good off of uh, when uh, setting up plays or creating chances off of the rush or when he's trying to pass the puck back, uh, let's say, to uh, the blue line when he's trying to be a little bit more conservative. But he doesn't have a lot of creativity with how he moves the puck uh, into those high-scoring areas for his teammates. And what we want, I think, with this sixth overall pick is someone who either can be an elite finisher, in the case of Cole Caulfield, I just don't think there's any argument you can make against you know what he does, or we want a playmaker, someone who can drive the scoring chances for his uh, for his teammates. And I don't see Pod Colson as necessarily being that guy. Yeah, um, I think you know it, it seems unlikely that Detroit would take him at six. Um, although, like we said before, there's a there's a large group of players that are going to be available, um, and we don't really know you know what their internal scouting is. We don't know you know there's a lot of things that we don't know about. Uh, you know, teams, draft boards, etc. Before we move on to, um, you know, potential potential players to look at in the later rounds, uh, let's just talk a little bit of strategy. Uh, so, JJ, I'm going to jump back to you uh, because you had mentioned uh, the possibility of Detroit moving back uh, in the first round. Um, I, I imagine depending on, you know, who they're targeting and if they think they can get them at, you know, eight or nine or something like that and pick up an extra, you know, maybe second round pick or, or, or even late first round, I guess. Um depending on the team. Uh, so, so, so what are your thoughts about the, the, the Red Wings strategy? Um, I guess maybe like, you know, what do you think they should be looking at? Like, do you think that there's a chance that they actually, you know, do make a deal on draft day? Um, what do you think? I think it is most likely they are going to end up just taking the number six pick. Uh, I think moving up is not going to happen. I don't, I just don't see them paying the premium because I have moving anywhere into the top 10 is expensive moving into the top five. I don't even remember the last time it happened uh, on draft day. Obviously there, uh, I know the, the Kessel trade did that twice, uh, <laughs> but 
I just I like I I wouldn't necessarily mind looking at like potentially moving up to to try to grab Byron Byram, but the the cost I I have no idea like if you can get it like oh yeah sure we'll we'll move forward to 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 third overall or fourth overall and all we have to give up is like you know one of our second round picks great nobody's gonna do that that's stupid so um. <laughs> I would not mind moving back based on my understanding of where this draft is and where I think a lot of guys are going to be fitting in. I think that there is a good possibility that we could end up with, say, like a number eight or nine pick and a pick that's, um, you know, I I don't even know if this is possible, but mid-20s, early 30s. Uh, where the combination of those two guys is going to be better than whoever gets taken at number six overall. Um, I'm always for that. I do think that there's a lot more possibility. I would really like to see them making a move to pick up a little bit more draft capital, uh, like, say, see if they can grab the, uh, what is it, uh, Tampa's 27th overall in a way to, uh, will you take Callahan off their hands and, just waste that last year with uh, with our extra cap space. Uh, I don't know. See if he energizes Ablocator. The, <laughs> the, you know, we'll just have the most expensive fourth line in the league again, and it'll be great. Um, the three second round picks, like I, I just I want to see some movement because it's interesting. But I I really can't say like what exactly I I want to see happen outside of like way we get really good because I I don't foresee I. Since Truba moved uh, to New York, I don't see a trade that makes sense for a guy who's not signed or a guy who's going to be a free agent. I don't want to. I don't want Eisman spending in free agency this year. So really, um, everything that moves along in this year's draft, I think, needs to be planned out to where it's all being timed to come to final fruition in the next three or four years giving us the flexibility though uh to accelerate that process to as as few as two years um that's that's what i want to see happen that's where i think they should be going is i i think they should be planning out three or four years um whoever they take is going to be either entering the league or we will be ready to move them for uh you know whoever the the pending free agent that is that is going to be our our rental for that run uh is going to be way out in the future so jj i know i know you're busy today so i don't know how 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 much you got to see on the uh the good old hockey twitter but i just want to make sure that you uh that you were aware um speaking of uh you know a player like callahan you know taking on a contract oh shit uh, did he move no 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 but okay uh the the vegas golden knights have asked david clarkson to give them (laughs) Uh, <laughs> to give them the list of teams he does not want to be traded to. Now, this is a player who is not going to be playing. Uh, so I thought that was, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> I did not see that, and I I love it because like, it's that's honestly something that's right up the Red Wings alley. They have the the financial wherewithal to take that. Uh, it does it like it plays around with the long term injured reserve. Mm. Limits yeah. and it's going to screw up their their cap limits a little bit, but I mean, literally that that's just 
that's money. So whatever, whatever Vegas would be willing to give yeah. for that. Yeah, I'm down for that. I mean, because if you think about it, you were talking about, you know, assembling the, the, the most expensive fourth line. You know, so if we had Abdulkader Callahan and whoever else uh, that other player was just like literally carrying the David Clarkson contract in their equipment <laughs> while they played, like that would be that would be awesome. Oh, man. Um, all right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So, Sarah, I'm going to go to you next about the, the, the draft strategy. Is there anything in particular you are looking at uh, for Detroit to be doing on draft day or, well, draft weekend? I wish there was because that would show that I'm more informed than I am. Uh, what JJ mentioned about, you know, maybe trading down to like an eight or nine pick. I think I saw that, you know, as a scenario somewhere today, and I think it was with Anaheim, who has like a nine and a 20-something, a and seeing if we could get them to part with that um, for the six-round pick, or the six-overall pick. Um, but that's the only, I don't know, not smart, but <laughs> the only possible scenario I can think of um, that I know about, you know, other than just kind of keeping things as, as they are. But I also agree with JJ and kind of the team chaos aspect of just, making some some moves for the draft just like for the fun of it um and so mm-hmm. what happens <laughs> um otherwise you know trust in trust in steve and and the eyes plan as you say you know as the kids would say for the lulls uh you know just you know just just make a couple trades whim radio ad timeout all right let's play all right, so Doc, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, you know, same question. You know, what are your thoughts about the the draft strategy for the Red Wings on Friday and Saturday? I think they honestly just need to stick with their guns. Uh, if the player that they want lands to them at sixth overall, pull the trigger on it. In terms of like, I heard a lot of people swinging around the idea of trading all three seconds for you know a late first round pick. I'm not really sure if that is really worth it as well because once you get once you get to a specific area of the first round, the amount of return uh, compared to a second rounder be, uh, becomes, you know, smaller and smaller. So the difference, you know, really, really dwindles after a certain point. So just really just stick with their guns. I try. I trust Eiserman. I trust the scouting department to know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much of the same opinion. Um, <clears throat> I think. I mean, the only. I don't know. The only thing for me that might be worth it is I know JJ had talked about, you know, the possibility of trading up for Byram, um, you know, of, of course, assuming that the price is OK, which we all pretty much agree is probably not the case um, for me. I, w- I would try to trade if, if somehow Turcotte fell and like he was number five and we knew he wasn't going to go to six. That I might consider, but again, the, the you know, like JJ said before, the problem is that the price is going to be too much. Um, so if somehow in some perfect instance that were to happen and the price wasn't too high, then yeah, I would I would consider trading up. Other than that, I'm not going to do it. Um, I mean, I I'm pretty much just hoping that they they just stick with their guns on number six, take who they think is the best player available on their draft board, and call it a day. Well, you know, until they have to make their other 25 picks uh <laughs> slight exaggeration for those uh, listeners who aren't fully paying attention to all the draft picks that the red wings have um all right so let's jump to uh, our I, I i guess our last segment for for the draft and you know unless there's there's other stuff we want to talk about um 
So we're going to talk about the later rounds, right? So we have the first round pick, which is obviously where all the heavy focus is. Uh, but like I said before, you know, the Red Wings have four picks from pick 35 to pick 66, which is a, a nice section for them to uh, definitely acquire some value. You know, last year we got Valeno. Um, you know, late first round, uh, you know, we, we picked up some really good players, uh, or, you know, really good prospects, um, recently in that area. Um, so Sarah, I know we were talking about before, like, like, I'm not sure how much you really got to look at this, this area. Um, so I'm going to come to you first. Like if you have any ideas, any, any players you've seen or any, any things that have jumped out to you about what the Red Wings could be doing after round one. So I had kind of two players in mind for that kind of 35 through 66 range. And I will say I'm hugely biased because I always want defensemen. Just gather them all up and (laughs) pray to God that one of them turns out to like, just not be awful. And (laughs) that would just make my whole day and year. Um, So I (laughs) was kind of hearing a little bit about Lassie Thompson and Ryan Johnson. And, you know, first of all, having a player named Lassie would be amazing, just for me personally in my, you know, meme game. Uh, and with Ryan Johnson, you know, he's, it sounds like he's kind of, you know, diamond in the rough kind of guy where he hasn't really wowed anybody, um, you know, but he has a lot of kind of tools um, in his toolkit that he can use, you know, especially his agility with skating and just thinking about the lack of, of agility on our blue line for the past forever. Um, you know, that brings me some hope, you know, that he, if he does get caught pinching, he could actually get back, um, you know, and that's projecting very far for a later round pick. Um, but those two, I think, you know, Lassie Thompson, and Ryan Johnson could be, could be interesting picks, you know, that, that may have a very good upside. Um, and oh my God. <laughs> What's that girl? Applicators in a well. What? <laughs> I know. I was looking to see if there was a another defenseman in the draft named like Timmy. Timmy. Uh, I didn't find one, but that doesn't mean there will be one next year. So, defenseman named Timmy out there who might be listening, think about Detroit as your next destination. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, JJ. I'm going to go next to you. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm not sure how much you've been paying attention to later rounds. Um, but, you know, have there been any, any players that you've heard about that have, uh, you know, caught your attention uh, after that, for, you know, that, that first group of players? I've heard great things about this uh, Taro Sujimoto kid, if he's still available. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I no. that's, that's how, how deep I am. And for people who don't get that, go Google it. Um, I, I could not single person who is expected to go after round one so uh, conceptually i want the red wings to uh swing for the fences on every single pick uh in terms of massive massive upside do not try to make any safe picks do not pick anybody even in the sixth round uh where you're like oh well he's got a solid floor no i want full ceilings on everything just just full bore i'm worried that uh, we may be at the point where the um, the inconsistency with uh, with uh, I'm sorry the the market inefficiency with size is maybe starting to close, um, but I would not mind taking uh, a few chances on on some smaller guys if they're still available just 
because I think that they all tend to follow a little bit more than they ought to. Um, obviously, you know, because my my picks are uh, the work ethic and the hockey IQ, and just I'm not so worried about skating. I think skating can be improved upon. Um, but yeah, like like I said, just just take chances. That's that's what I want to see them do. I don't care. I don't have a specific position. Uh, boner for anybody outside of like i i do want more defensemen <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah so basically you're like I, I want that seventh rounder again that looks like uh you know pre-serum chris evans captain america uh what's his name uh ninomaki something like that right auto 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 kevin maki yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um which actually it's, it's interesting it's looking like he you know there's there's actually a chance he might you know he might be a a pretty good player. Um, who knows? We'll we'll have to see. Yeah. I also do want to add. I'm I'm also with with Sarah on the concept of like. I also want them to draft guys with good name, like good names to make fun of. <laughs> Absolutely. Give me give me a lassie. Uh, you know we can give him. We can't give him number nine, but, we, but maybe give him K nine. There we go. A... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'm, I'm trying to think of like 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 what other types of names. Like we can get like a Osei. So we have Osei Hirosei. No, wait, that's horrible. <laughs> eh, you know what I was going for. I just didn't quite stick the landing. Um, anyway. Um, all right. So, so Dr. G, I'm going to throw it to you because, like, you know, we were talking about before. Um, I know you have definitely more players than I do, um, you know, but I, I put together some players here. So I guess let's let's kind of break this down into a couple groups. So maybe if you if you want to talk about like maybe, I don't know, like three or four players that would be maybe in that kind of second round, you know, like those those four that four pick cluster we have. And then maybe like, I don't know, like two players after that, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, a little later in the draft that you think could be really good value picks where the wings are picking. OK, well, uh, I just wanted to say, say start off by saying not only will this list include players with awesome names, it will also include some of those tiny undersized players in the sixth round that JJ is very fond <laughs> of. Yes. yes. So the first player that I wanted to talk about, I think this one is very telegraphed because I talked about him a little bit last time, was uh, Nils Hoglander. Mm. So, but I didn't really think I scratched the surface on why I like this kid so much. I do have a prospect review of him uh, in submission up on the site, but since that's not up, I guess I can talk a, uh, oh. a bit more about him right here. So he's a really, really interesting package. He has a lot of skill, a lot of creativity with the puck. His skating abilities are fantastic, and he manages to marry all of that to playing the game with a lot of bite and energy. He was a definite standout playing in the SHL this season. He led all first-year eligible skaters in that league in scoring. He's small. He's only like five foot nine, but he's explosively agile and probably one of the best stick handlers in the entire draft and has very, very impressive puck pursuit. So he's really good when he has the puck at breaking down coverage in the offensive zone with his feet and his hands to create lanes that he could exploit. His edge work uh, makes him very, very maneuverable, even when he looks like he's going to get trapped along the boards. And he also happens to be pound for pound one of the most athletic players in the draft. Did any of you check the uh, combine results when they came out? I, I, I did not. Well, he finished, I think it was like in five or six uh, in the top 10 in five or six of those uh, drills that they had them do. And this included like, the VO2 max and uh, the agility drills, those lateral agility drills. He finished in the top 10 in mm. like six 
six of those different categories. So he's an athletic beast, uh, which kind of makes up for his lack of size. And he's, he's just got a lot of pop to him when, whenever you watch him skate with the puck. Let's see. Moving on. I'm going to talk about a defenseman next. So mm -hmm. another player that they could probably take a swing on. I'm not quite sure if they'd be uh, the best option available at 35, but Vladislav Kolyachinok, the defenseman out of the Flint Firebirds. So, yeah, as I said, I'm not 100% sold on him at 35th overall, but I think you could do a lot worse at this position. If he's still around at the 54th overall pick, though, I think that's a superb pick. So he's really, really interesting package. He's got a uh, great physical frame uh, for starters. He's around 6'2". Needs to gain a little weight. He's only at 181 pounds right now, but there's plenty of time to hit the gym. What I really love about him, though, is his skating abilities. So Vlasic, who is another one I, I have uh, notes on, he's what I would consider an adequate skater that could still address some shortcomings in his agility and acceleration. Kolyachinok is very different in that he's very explosive. He's got great speed to him, and his acceleration is outstanding. So he's really good at winning uh, the quick races to the puck using those quick bursts of, uh, of strides. And that also allows him to burn through coverage when uh, either exiting or entering zones on transition. On offense, he's a little bit understated because he was on a really just awful team this year in Flint. So a lot of his numbers kind of belie the fact that he did, does have some, uh, some upside on the offensive side of the puck. Mm -hmm. But when you combine that skating, particularly with his stick handling abilities and his ability to protect the puck, he's really, really good on the rush. And that also helps him open up a lot of passing lanes all over the ice. He's got a great first pass, uh, also from what I've seen from his vision. But you're not going to really see that just from looking at a stat sheet, because Flint was kind of a <laughs> diaper fire this year. He's not really much of a shooter, though. That's really the one knock on his offensive game, and that might hold him back a little bit more. But he's insanely well-rounded, and I think he'd make a lot of teams really happy if they pick him in the, if they pick him there. Oh, the next one I'm going to talk about is a uh, forward playing uh, in the Swedish junior leagues this year, Albin Greva. So I'm really debating whether I would want Albin Greva straight up with 35th overall pick, or whether I'd like him with that 54th pick. Either way, I think. Passing on him in the second round could end up being a very grave oh mistake. Oh <laughs> hey -o. So the one thing that is really, really enticing about him, he's, he's very, very multi-toolsy. Uh, he's quick, he's agile, he's got great balance and edge work. He plays kind of a power-forward game despite being only of average size. He, when they asked him at interviews who his biggest... Uh, uh, role model is who he models his game after. He set up with a he said with a deadpan expression, Brad Marchand. Although I've yet to see him lick another <laughs> player, so maybe there's hope for him. His own head coach in Deer Gardens compared him to a T-Rex in that he eats everything and thinks that everything else is under him. <laughs> he seems to have absolutely nothing but contempt for his opponents, and he's he's just a fantastic antagonist. And uh, 
to top it all off, he's got great stick skills and puck control. He's got a great wrist shot, and he's got, you know, understated uh, playing abilities as well. I wouldn't say, you know, he's uh, like a guaranteed top six uh, forward at the next level, but I could see him as a guy who you could play like in a checking role type of position, even on the third line, and he would thrive in that. I kind of, if they dra- if the Wings drafted him, him, I kind of would want the wings to go after Wayne Simmons and pair him with Greva just so we could call that pairing the Greva oh, no. train. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that was no, I was, I was just thinking about pairing him with Manta so that Manta's meatballs there could come with some Greva. <laughs> okay, final, final prospect I like to talk about in the in the second round, uh, I only had a little bit about Matthew Robertson, so maybe I can just kind of put that aside. Miko Kokkonen, so defenseman playing in the Finnish Liga for Eucharist. So you see him very often uh, appearing in the top 60. Uh, I do have my reservations about him, but I'd be willing to probably take him around the 60th overall pick. He's really versatile, very well-rounded, but there isn't really any aspect of his game that truly stands out he's a good skater not a great skater he can get the puck uh up ice well on transition and distribute it well in the offensive zone he doesn't really excel at that either so he's kind of a jack of all trades master of none kind of player plays really mature a very mature type of defensive game but he really isn't a flashy type so i'm skeptical about whether uh i'd actually go after him in the second round because uh, i don't really see him projecting as being a big two-way threat at the NHL level, but I'd still be willing to perhaps take a gamble on him in a later round. Probably not going to be there, though. <laughs> well, that being said, that is the second round. I'm just going through my notes. What round do you want to hear about? Um, well, I mean, you know, just like the rest of their draft, like, you know, tell me like, you know, two or three players that uh, you think would be uh, you know, good value picks, you know, players that might go later than they should, um, you know, that Detroit could take advantage of. Well, one that I actually particularly liked, I've seen him projected in the second of uh, the third round a lot when I actually think he has the talent to possibly be a, a second round pick is Vladislav first off, not to be confused with his cousin Vladislav second off, replays uh, for the Waterloo Blackhawks in uh, the USHL. So he's currently ranked within the top 30 by NHL Central Scouting for North American skaters. But it's honestly tough to get a full read of when he's actually going to get selected. And there might be also that stupid Russian factor thing that holds him back. Although when you watch him, he doesn't really deserve uh, all the stereotypes associated with that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he were there at the start of the third round. That's a pretty great value pick if he is. First off is... Probably best known for having a very dangerous shooting arsenal. That's the aspect of his game that I would say is definitely the most NHL-ready. He's got a lightning quick release on his wrist shot, howitzer of a one-timer, and he's really good at setting up in spots where he's in a scoring position to take a pass. So he's really also really smart with his shot selection, too. Loves using defenders as a screen when getting the puck on net to take goaltenders by surprise. Not really much of a burner, but he's agile. He's got good edge work and puck control. He's also very comfortable sustaining possession and protecting the puck and isn't afraid to get his hands dirty and battle for the puck in those dirty areas. 
Overall, I think he has a great work ethic. I think his focus and competitiveness is also really good. Reads the game well, contributes in all three zones. The two things that I would say hold him back at this point are his core strength and his foot speed. His top speed, at best right now, is only above average. But if he can add that extra gear to his skating, that would probably end up being a very rewarding pick. So he's going to be playing in the NCAA next season with the University of Connecticut. He'll have plenty of time to work on that. I guess the last player I could talk about then, I'm going to go way off the board here. I'm going to go into the seventh round. If Xavier Simino <laughs> is there. So Xavier Simino, you hear him a lot because he plays with Joe Valeno. So you'll, you'll hear his name quite often. You'll see him on the score sheets quite often. But whenever you see mock drafts, I've seen very often seen mock drafts where he's not even selected uh he's there's a reason for that he's around the same size as cole caulfield uh and he doesn't put up 72 <laughs> goals like cole caulfield but uh belying that tiny frame is someone who is actually an exceptional playmaker and they play with he plays with a high level of energy and competitiveness so he might actually be one of the best pure playmakers available uh later in the draft i don't know if you look at uh Mitch Brown's tracking data that he does, but he tracked Xavier Simino, and he found that Xavier Simino's pass quality is, like, off the charts good. He's not really, like, a dangerous shooter, but when you look at, like, the percentiles of his passing quality, he's, like, at the 100th percentile for expected primary assists, according to that data. No. So, if you're getting a player like that in the seventh round, five... Five seven and all. That's still a pretty good gamble. Like if he if he were to pan out, he could be something similar to like a, a Brendan Gallagher, and that he's he's small but he's ferocious and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. I've even known uh, him to actually drop the gloves with much larger players. I think it was uh, during the playoffs uh, in their series against Gatineau, he dropped the gloves with Andre Simard, who's almost like a foot taller than he is at 6'4". So there's definitely no shyness to his game. I like that pick mm-hmm. at seventh, in seventh round. Nice. So, um, yeah, so for our listeners, you have to be uh, paying extra, extra special uh, attention in the seventh round to see if that happens. Um all right, so before we go to reader questions, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a couple names that have stuck out to me. Uh, first of all, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to talk about that, um, you know, that uh, round two and then, uh, you know, that 66 overall pick in round three area. Um, so first of all, I'm going to start with a player that very, very likely will not be there. Um, however, just because Future Considerations has him ranked at 37, uh, Bob McKenzie has him ranked at 26. So I, I guess there's an outside chance he could fall. I really doubt it. Um, but like I said before, with um, you know, uh, with Eisenman running up to make the selection, if somehow my man Bobby Brink is still there, which like I said, I don't think he's going to, but if somehow he falls... Um, that is a, a must select. Um, I was talking before about the uh, Prashanth's model that he made, and uh, Bobby Brink uh, projects at number four out of all draft eligible prospects in terms of uh, NHL projected scoring. Um, like I said, very, very unlikely that it happens, but you never know. Um, another player uh, that could be there at that maybe that first second round selection at number 35, um, Jamison Reese. The center out of uh, 
the OHL for Sarnia. Um, future considerations has him at 50. Uh, McKenzie has him at 32. You know, so again, there's, you know, possible chance he might be there. Um, but then players that seem like there's a good chance they could be there. Um, I think I'm going to pronounce this right. Artemi uh, Knyetsev, uh defenseman uh, from the Q. Um, uh, basically, McKenzie has him at 54. You know, so it seems like there's a good chance he might be there. Actually, we're picking at 54. Um, and our good friend Will from their website, Scouching, in his ratings, he has him at 33, right? And he he, he raves about him, uh, you know, in that area. Um, so that could be that could be a really good pick for Detroit. Um Let's see if there's one more I want to do in that area. Da, da, da. I think that's the, the last of those because um, Dr. D said, so, said a couple of the ones I had in that area, uh, like Hoglander, Grava. Um, but then uh, jumping uh, – now, now these two players, I don't really know much about them. Actually, I, I don't know anything about them. But I do know that Prashant's model had them ranked in the top ten. Uh, and considering where other – other people have them projected. Uh, it seems like they could be available uh, with some of our later picks. Uh, the first one, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, uh, Samuel Fagamo. Uh, I'm not sure how to say his name. He's a left wing uh, for Frolunda in the SHL. Uh, Prashant's model has him at 10th uh, in projected scoring. McKenzie has him at 56, right? So maybe that, that second uh, pick in round two. And the last one, I actually... Uh, I actually messaged Will ahead of time, but he hasn't gotten back to me because there's a player I have never heard of him before. Uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard uh, from the Q. Um, he's a left wing. Uh, future considerations has been ranked 276th. Uh, Prashant's model has him 7th. Right, So to me, that seems like a good gamble to take in like a later round. Um, I, I Like I said, I don't really know anything about him. Um, let's see. Actually, here, real quick, I can pull up a little bit. Um, he's a left wing. He's 5'9", 161 uh, as Canadian. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, that could be a you know a, a gamble in, in maybe the sixth or seventh round uh, just to see if uh, you can get something there. Um, all right. So, in just a minute, we are going to go to our, uh, our reader question segments. Uh, before we do, we're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, let me first start by saying, uh, Dr. Dangles, you got to back off on the puns. Otherwise, I'm going to have to learn about prospects to jump onto your territory, and I can't do that. So you, you got to give me something still to do here, uh, other than just the, the pretty face. Okay, so the, the mailbag's got uh, 18 comments. Uh, some of it we've already caught, talked over, but let us... Let's start with ENSRWs. Who would make the better Red Wing, Cole Caulfield or Matthew Boldy? I think I know uh, Dr. Dinkle's answer, but I'm going to let him go first. <laughs> Swing for the fences, go with Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Sarah, what do you think? Uh, well, I know absolutely nothing about Matthew Boldy. And, I mean, you could just make up a name and I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's good at skating or not. <laughs> I will also go with uh, Cole Caulfield. One of us. One of us. Yeah, yeah Boldy is uh, hes stronger uh, than his slantier counterpart, Matthew Ataliki. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you go with Caulfield. <laughs> 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 Woo-hoo. 
Polar Baron next asks, how much impact will Eisman have? Uh, to my knowledge, a lot of Ken Holland's scouting staff is still in place. Would you expect the Red Wings draft board to have changed significantly with Eisman coming on board, or is it too late in the cycle to reevaluate an entire class with the new philosophy in mind? Uh, Peter, I'm going to throw this one to you first. Um, I mean, th- this question is kind of hard to answer with the knowledge we have, uh, just because you know there's a lot of behind the se- behind the scenes stuff we don't know. Uh, that being said, um, I mean, Iserman was had to have been involved in Tampa, you know, so it's, you know, he's been looking at the prospects as well. It's not like he's, you know, just, uh, you know, some kid coming in off the corner. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge change. Uh, but again, I mean, I'm just kind of randomly guessing here. Well, I guess slightly educatedly guessing, maybe, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I'll throw this out to, to anybody with, with any knowledge of it. Because, but what we've heard about is, in general, Iserman does lean on his scouting staff a lot. Um, and I, I don't think, I mean, does anybody have reason to expect that essentially he would come in with his own, you know, changing house too much or, or just kind of, because it, it seems like he's gone a lot with his line of thinking and Ken Holland's lines of thinking haven't been all that dissimilar. We just like Iserman more for <laughs> tons of good reasons. So, um, you know, uh, Docker or Sarah, do you have any reason to believe that that Eisenman will have drastically shaken things up in in that department? Absolutely not. I think it was far too late in the season. I think they did far too much work uh, put into the draft for that to shake things up at this point. I think he's going to lean on. I think he's going to lean on his scouting staff. Yeah, I agree. MC Fubar asked, uh, I just want to, to, to say thank you to MC Fubar for asking three questions. We did already answer all of these, um, but I specifically asked the readers to make sure we didn't miss anything, and these were fantastic questions. So thank you for those. Thank you. Uh, and then Wolg88 uh, breaks up the great stuff with saying, <laughs> why why won't people accept that hot dogs are not sandwiches, but in fact tacos? Oh, uh, Sarah, <laughs> you, you are the you're the expert here. <laughs> Uh, I try to stay out of these, um, intellectual debates. Um, I think as the, I'll I'll play peacemaker here. And I think something we can all agree on is that they should only cost a dollar and that Larry Murphy should always be on camera holding at least three of them (laughs) and eating five at the same time. Wait, so, so, so you're saying answer for you. You're saying in Canada, you should be able to get a hot dog and a beer for $2 total. I don't know you. I don't know Canadian money. I barely know American money. I don't know. I, I know there was some something on Twitter about buck a beer. I don't even know what it means. Oh, that's that's uh, Doug Ford's stupid campaign promise. Yeah, it's, it's oh, a okay. Thing. Cool. Yes, yes, it's a political thing. Good yes. job, Pete. Bring in politics Woo! into our podcast. Stick to sports, guys. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I th- I think that we're just yeah. gonna leave. The- I think that Sarah answered that perfectly. So, uh, let's see. Next up is yeah. not a question. That kind of misses <laughs> the point. All right. Uh, what do you? Se- yeah, I like this one because it's so yeah. open ended. What are you semi realistically hoping for on Friday slash Saturday, Pete? Ooh, I have a good one for this. Um, I am hoping for Jay to have to make part two of his uh, Vince McMahon reaction GIF. Uh, that he made last year in, in tribute to uh, Philip Zanina falling to number six. So that's what I'm hoping for. 
Oh, I love that. And yep. yeah, I'll call that semi-realistic. Yeah. Doc, what do you, th- what do you think? What are you semi-realistically hoping for? Uh, well, the opportunity to <laughs> let's let's put it this way: the best case scenario where one of possibly Doc and Cousins are gone by fourth and fifth, leaving Byron to us at sixth. Hell yeah, Sarah, what do you got? So I'm gonna talk about the emotional state of the fan base um, <laughs> as Maya. Uh, I don't know, wish list. So the past two years, I think, I've done you know, on trade day, sometimes on the draft, a plot of the fan base's emotions, and it was called the Ken Holland Idiot Graph. <laughs> and so this year, I'd like to you know, extend that and have the Red Wings fan emotion on the Ken Holland Idiot Graph with the, you know, how the Oilers pick versus the Steve Eiserman genius graph. Yeah. <laughs> Of his picks, even if, you know, Steve and, and Holland are kind of similar thinking, you know, emotionally we're like, oh, you know, Iserman picked, I don't know, some random person in the sixth pick. We're like, oh, genius. He must know something we don't. Yeah. Or if Holland did that, you know, we would all deactivate immediately. Yeah. And be oh, I love it. Forever. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, to doing some emotional graphing and uh, and sharing the results. I am semi-realistically hoping that St. Louis gets up to make their first pick, and the first thing they say is, Vancouver, you're welcome that you didn't have to hear every other team congratulate Boston in front of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. So uh, Wingnut wants to... uh, What's our take on what are Iserman's preferences? With Holland, we know he preferred the bigger-bodied guys. Uh, you know, if Holland were drafting for us, I could definitely see him going with, with Doc. What are What is Iserman's preference? And I think we've seen him take out of the CHL pretty heavily, but he also has not been afraid to draft Russians. Yeah. So. And I know there's a stat that he's drafted uh, – uh, is it an OHL player or a, or a CHL player or I was, something like that? Like every pick he's he's had in the first round for Tampa Bay for like eight seasons in a row has been shit, yeah, or at least something. his, his first pick now. because uh, obviously um, yeah, Vasilevsky yeah. was a first round pick. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Like his first first yeah. rounder. Like I like, like as opposed to like the U.S. development right. team. I loves like the dub. Yeah. Wait, wait, oh, no, yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah, is that the WHL? WHL? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't remember what's on my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, r- real quick, I mean, like, Wingnut says here, you know, we, we know that he preferred the bigger body guys. I mean, there's that one draft where it seemed like we drafted for size, but, I mean, last year we didn't. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if that's really a thing or if it's just kind of, you know, glomming onto us taking Rasmussen and just kind of extrapolating it out. Yeah, that's a good you know. point. I I don't know whether or not Holland is is truly the the size king guy. Uh, I I don't think so, but today's Edmonton's problem now. Dan Borsma <laughs> wants us to talk about Broberg, and we have not mentioned him. So uh, he says thoughts on him. I think he became becomes a solid first pair D. Uh, is the strength of the U.S. national development a blip on the radar or a sign of things to come? 
So those are two different questions that I just slammed together like some sort of uh, weird ice cream taco that uh, is the third part of that question. So let's let's start with Broberg. Uh, yeah. Doc, what do, you, what do you got on Broberg? I honestly think Broberg's kind of a wild card. He's got lots of great attributes. Keep, when he keeps his legs moving, he's got great acceleration ability to uh, rush the puck up ice. Sometimes I really, really wonder what he's doing on the ice it seems kind of like he's there are times when he's well kind of lost positionally and i just think like he's very very raw i would not take him uh in the top 10 as a result i know i keep on hearing people say we should take broberg at sixth overall and i'm like are you mad yeah so you don't think that he'll be available by by 35 no i don't think he's i yeah. I do have questions about, you know, his decision-making, but I think there's enough upside that somebody is going to bite on him in the middle of the first round. Like, I think I would project him around the 12 to 15 range if if I were to take a guess. Okay. Do you cartwheel up to the podium if he is there at 35 and, and grab him? I mean... Yeah, I, I okay. think you'd be. I think he'd be a great pick at 35. <laughs> you know, it's at that point where... We're not risking a, a top 10 pick anymore, and we can kind of be a little bit looser with it. Excellent. And then the, the second part of the question, I'll, I'll just keep it uh, to you, is it, the strength of the U.S. national development team is how many great guys are coming out of it Like if for this draft specifically? Is this kind of a an outlier, or are we going to expect that this team is going to just keep creating top-tier guys? You know, that's a really good question. Your guess is as good as mine, unless one of you has a crystal ball and you can look into the future and tell me that. But I, I very often find that some of these things are really just cyclical. Like the talent uh, in the U.S. development program this year is unlike anything that we've seen uh, in a very, very long time. So it could be you know, quite a while before another crop of talent like this comes around i'm not you know completely uh i'm not going to say that it's it's never going to happen again but it's this might be like more of a cyclical thing i'm gonna jump in real quick i I was looking at the uh the future considerations guide and they have you know they're obviously early um you know you know they take a look at the uh the 2020 nhl draft profiles and you have to go all the way down to number 12 before you get to the first national, uh, U.S. national team guy. Uh, they, have, they have one at 12, one at 16, and one at 20. Now, obviously, again, a lot can change in a year. Um, but, I mean, that, you know, I mean, you know, this time last year, everybody was basically saying Matthews is number one and it's not close. Uh, you know, so you'd think that if they had this kind of talent coming up next year that they'd have a lot more guys projected in that top 20. Um, and, and also real quick, um, cause actually Broberg was one of the people I, I wrote a profile on and I will just say like, he is going to be, I mean, I, I definitely agree that it, he, he makes absolutely no sense at number six. Um, and I don't think there's a chance in the world that he's still there at 35. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with him. Like number one in the draft, I'm going to be really interested to see, um, like, I don't think it would be crazy to think that somebody takes him top 10 uh, just because, you know, there 
you know, uh, you know, we, we saw last year, you know, with that big run on defensemen, um, you know, people really value defensemen and there's a chance that they might overvalue him uh, because of that. Um, there's also a chance he might figure it all out and be a really dominant NHL player. Um, I know from watching the video on him, um, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like, like when he's on his game, he is like a one man breakout. It's like, he gets the puck and he's like, uh, I don't know if you guys are going to keep up with me, but I am taking this to the goal. And like, he just like <laughs> trucks out of the zone. Um, now again, you know, like, 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 like doc said, I, you know, I, it doesn't seem like, uh, without some improvement and, you know, which of course happens, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to, like, you know, jump right in and do that at the NHL level. But I wouldn't be too surprised if he does develop into, you know, a really good defenseman. Um, you know, you know, I mean, I, I think calling him a wild card is a really good, you know, way to, to phrase it. Because I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. I'm going to jump forward real quick uh, to a different question. Because while we're still talking about Broberg, because Bill H says... Uh, almost never does the first D-man picked in the draft end up being the top D-man in the league for that draft year. What other D prospects look like they can be a number one D-man in the NHL? Obviously, uh, Broberg is is that that answer. But is there another answer to that question that that you guys have in mind? I mean, I know the next defenseman that people talk about is Cam York, uh, but I don't know enough about him to know if that's what he can project as. Um, I mean, I was looking at a couple defensemen uh, who, if they dropped from where they probably would be could be possible picks but i don't really know enough about them to know if they you know have that kind of projected ceiling okay like uh tobias bjornfort and uh vili heinola uh you know they look like again they're probably going to be gone by the time we get there um but they look like you know they could be good picks for us if somehow they are there you know at that first second round pick there's a guy named bjornfort uh, yeah, I, 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 there's no second R, so I'm probably no. You're actually it. pronouncing it correctly. Like, oh, yes, I win. Translates out in Swedish. Uh, from Swedish, uh, it means barefoot. Oh, we, we have to draft this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, draft him yeah. a six. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Okay, Sugar Mouse asked a bunch of questions. Um, oh boy. Uh, you know, does Tyler Wright or Eiserman make the final choices on draft day? That is a, a good question. I mean, in general, Tyler Wright has been kind of the, the general of the, the draft. I, I don't think that Eiserman – I think that kind of ties back into the, the concept of, of how much is Eiserman going to change things up. I, I think that, uh, honestly, it, it all falls down to the, the GM is the one making the final decisions. Um, but I think that most of those decisions are going to be what Wright would have done, right? And then uh, I haven't seen Eisenman say much about Tyler Wright other than the usual gen- general comments in the scouting department. Uh, who do you believe will be running the Red Wings draft in 2020? No clue. Yeah. I, this is, yeah, we'll just... No idea. Uh, let's see. Why don't we trade... Oh, wait, How about number six overall plus two seconds to move up to get Byram? Is that realistic? Am I am I crazy for thinking that is not realistic? I I don't think so. I think it would take more than that. Yeah, like we'll throw in the European rights to Jan Mersak too while we're at it. <laughs> Yakba Kendall. I don't, I'm trying to imagine being a fan of Colorado or Chicago and going like, oh yeah, you know, we'll we'll move back to six and pick up these two seconds to to get rid to like to 
trade back from that and like not wanting to set my team on fire for accepting that. Yeah. And that's double tough for Colorado because that's Joe Sackick, and I can't imagine they would <laughs> want to set him on fire. <laughs> okay, and then the other question was the Batpod Colson, which was answered in, in great detail. So, uh, very last question. Uh, Cheddar Fitter says, I'm probably too late. You are not too late, Cheddar Fitter. Thank you. Yes. What are your takes on an ideal timetable for Zadina's development, and does he have the best timetable compared to other draftees from last year? Sarah, I'm going to ask you, because I've kind of skipped you for the last few questions, uh, specifically, what do you think about Zadina's development? I think Zadina is still um, in pretty good shape, and I was more encouraged you know, by his stint with uh, the Wings and, and even kind of the latter half of his season in Grand Rapids. You know, I was a little concerned at the start. He he was kind of off to a slow start. He seemed to be a little bit, um, you know, lost. And, you know, he would try kind of his usual tricks and then realize, oh, shit, these are like real players. I actually have to, like, try harder and, you know, chase after them when I lose, when I turn over the puck. Uh, but he seemed to, to kind of find his stride and really, really clicked when he came up with the wings and, you know, with with that, I was kind of saying, well, he's either going to you know, click or it's going to be a wake-up call of, uh, I really need to work harder. And I hate to do that, like, you know, the Blasio, like, stepchild thing that he does where it's like, oh, you are you don't have hustle or grit, grr. You know, but I, I <laughs> felt like he was lacking the, the hustle factor a little bit. Um, but but I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged after, like I said, the last latter half of the season. Uh, I think he's in good shape and, you know, almost... Is it really his his like development that decides it, or is it, you know, Steve Eiserman who says, "Let's go, we're gonna not do the Ken Holland thing anymore," or we are gonna do the Ken Holland thing, deal with it. He's staying in Grand Rapids longer than you'd like because it's part of the Eiser plan. Um, but in conclusion, I, I think he's on the the right track, and he's he's still trending kind of he's still trending ahead. I don't think anyone's jumped over him uh, for a place in Detroit. Aaron, what do you think, Pete? Um, yeah, because at first when 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 uh, I read the question, it said, "Does he have the best timetable compared to other draftees from last year?" I wasn't thinking like other Detroit draftees. I was just thinking like other people drafted, and I was like, "I don't know about that." Um, <coughs> I mean, I'm I'm assuming he's going to be in Detroit full time next year. Um, the when they talk about the best timetable. Um, I mean, the only other person I think from that draft class that could be in Detroit next year is going to be Joe Valeno. And I think that's going to be, I am really interested to see what he looks like in camp because based on what he, I mean, I thought, I I really thought he actually might make the team last year um, with his performance in the preseason. So I think, uh, you know, not that, you know, another year in, you know, another year developing isn't probably the right choice for him uh but i mean he looked really good in preseason so i'm i'm really interested to see what valeno has uh to show but i think um you, you know i, I think zadine is in, in my opinion definitely going to be in the track here yeah what do you think doc yeah i think there's a high likelihood he's probably going to be in detroit i think last season was kind of just a season that he needed to uh, try to adjust to the pace of the pro game. And I think once he's gotten a taste of that, I think he's going to be uh, much more ready come camp time uh, to, you know, make a, uh, take a serious shot at making the roster. But like you said, I'm also really interested in what's going to happen with Joe Valeno. I'm 
really excited to see him uh, in camp. But even if he doesn't make the team, I'm still excited to see him playing in Grand Rapids. The fact that they could uh, get him there because of his uh, exceptional status a year early is fantastic. I think we are either going to have a really fun-to-watch Red Wings team uh, in the coming season. Uh, not not necessarily world beaters, but definitely continuing along. Because I, I think the Red Wings team from this last season was more fun to watch than they had been in the last few years. Um, or we're going to have a, a really, really good Griffins team. <laughs> and uh, I'm... I'm kind of excited either way. That's that's why we, you, if you'll notice, uh, long-time listeners, we totally skipped over Positivity Corner because, again, we didn't need it. We're we're flying with, without our our crutches today. Yeah. So that is the the very last of of the questions because the very last comment is also not a question. <laughs> Does not count. So <laughs> I'm going to kick it back to Pete to get us out of here. Woo-hoo. All right. So. Um... Thank you, uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, like I said before, this episode should be coming out on Thursday. Uh, so when you listen to it, you don't have that long to wait until finding out what actually happens uh, on Friday night and then Saturday. Um, just a really quick programming note. Um, uh, with, uh, with Jay going on vacation, the, the next episode of For Sure is going to be one week later. Uh, than than usual because he's going to be gone and it's kind of hard to record uh, a two-person podcast with only one person around. Uh, So uh, that's going to be our second anniversary episode. We're working on uh, possibly we're shooting the moon to try to get a really awesome guest. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but even if it doesn't, you know, even if we don't get the person I'm thinking of, um, I'm sure we're going to have a really great guest for you. Um, So uh, for JJ, uh, for Doc, and for Sarah, um, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back at you soon. Love it.